This is the road to wholeness. My name is Josh Hawk, and I am here today with a very special guest, my wife, Ashley. Um, and so she's going to be on the, the, the podcast today with us, along with our guest, Leanna Tinkersley, who is the author of six books, including Breathing Room, Bizarrin, Begin Again, and Always We Begin Again. And she holds English degrees from Liberty University, uh, West Virginia University, and her writing has been on so many things, Huffington Post, CNN.com, uh, and she's a regular contributor to Mops International as both a speaker and a writer. And she's originally from Southern California. California. We love California. And, uh, but her three kids and her now live in central Virginia and you can go check her out at leannatankersley.com. And Leanna, it's so thankful that you're on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. You both. I'm thrilled. I get to be with both of you. How cool. Yes, absolutely. You know, well, I, I know you, you've been um, just a huge influence uh, in just our lives um, and our family, and especially for Ashley. You know, I know that she she has uh, just been through a lot of 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 just things in, in her own life as well as as well as I have too through anxiety and depression and just some of those things that, that we both kind of struggled through. And, and and I know your book, Begin Again, just meant a lot to her. And so when I knew you were coming on the show, I was like, hey, Ashley, why don't you come on and do this episode with me? And you can meet Leanna and talk to her and then just um, add some of the amazing thoughts and and feelings that God has given you and uh, that, that you inspired I in our it. family. I love it. I, I thank you so much for being on here. I was telling Josh last night, I'm, I'm such a rational person. I'm, I'm an attorney by trade. I'm an Enneagram five, if you know anything about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very heady. Um, and there's something about your writing that just kind of helps me kind of lock into those feelings and kind of that soul level. That's hard for me to kind of access, um, otherwise. And so I just thank you for your writing and what it's done for me and, and being able to kind of um, explore those, those feelings at a deeper level, um, and really come to more of a place of, of self-belonging and advocating for yourself that you talk so much about. And so that's been uh, hugely instrumental in my own life. So thank you very much. You're so welcome. I love that. I am familiar with Enneagram and I'm pretty positive. I'm a four, but I think mm -hmm. I, I hang out next to you, Ashley, but I think I have a three wing but I do have a child who I am very, oh, three, Josh is a three. Um, yeah, I am a very three convinced. Four. Yeah, oh my gosh. So here we yeah. go. We're all hanging out together. Yes. Right. I, I'm very convinced that I have a child that's, a, my son is a five. Mm -hmm. And um, so I understand that cerebral, the beauty of that cerebral, uh, that surgical mind and mm -hmm. how it can be hard to connect the head and heart. Mm -hmm. So I love what you said. And it, it's meaningful to me that, that um, some of my stories and work has helped you do that. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you've got a new book called hope anyway, which is mm -hmm. awesome. And I've loved reading through it as well too. And um, I, I, I just want to dive into some of the, the topics that, that you address in that. W one of the things that I would love for people to hear is just your story of how you got to write this book. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the book came out in August, just a couple months ago, but the story behind the book starts about four years ago. And at that time I had been married almost 14 years and my husband came home from a year long deployment. He's active duty Navy and um, had, had said, hey, we need to have a conversation. And soon after he came home, we sat down and he told me that our marriage was ending. Mm -hmm. And I always say that, um, you know, 
our marriage wasn't perfect. Like we can all give that caveat, right? No one's marriage is perfect and our certainly wasn't. And we'd had our struggles, but this news did come as a surprise to me. I did not think that this is what would ever happen. And in fact, it was something that I had sort of done everything I could to ensure would never happen. This would, right. we would never be this kind of statistic. We had three very young children at the time. And um, so I did what I what I am good at, which is like getting a plan together and a lot of really awesome strategies and, um, you know, pulling together all of my internal resources and my big brain to figure out uh, how I was going to change the situation and save all of us that were involved from this. And I um, did my best to do that and then realized very quickly that that was not what was going to be happening. That in fact, uh, my life was going to be coming undone, that that's what was going to be happening. And partially, uh, because we don't have control like we think we do. And this was a big moment when I realized that probably in the, in the deepest way in my life that I had prior, you know, that I ever had was um, we don't have complete control over the outcomes in our lives. We certainly don't have complete control over the people in our lives. Mm -hmm. And when free will is handed out around the table, it's handed out to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so our marriage began the journey of ending. And as a result of that, about a year later, the kids and I moved to Central Virginia, which is um, uh, actually, I'm back in the town, the tiny little college town where I went to college, which is so wild because this is tiny little pin dot town. But a lot of my family had migrated back this way and I just really wanted to be near family. And then um, very soon after that, the kid's dad also moved this this direction. So we're all out here now and uh, going from San Diego to tiny central Virginia, like we live yeah. it literally in the woods. I'm looking at the woods out behind my house right now has been a change, but a good, a really resonant and good change. And we needed the support of family. And so uh, it's, it's been, you know, I always say rebuilding is one of the hardest things you will ever do in your life. And also it's possible. And mm -hmm. I'm just here as a testimony to that, that it is, it takes longer than you think. Mm -hmm. It's harder than you think it's going to be, and it's and it's possible. So we are on the road of um, rebuilding, and yeah, I um, I as a result of that time and that uh, you know divorce is a death. I'm I'm here to tell you mm -hmm. as a result of that that loss and all of the losses that are kind of uh, far reaching as a result of that central loss. Um, I started writing and thinking a lot about hope. I was a writer prior to this. You guys mentioned Begin Again. That was a book that was uh, very important to me, this idea from St. Benedict, the, the ancient monk, always we begin again. I had been like entrenched in my life, you know, with that concept. And now I really, I really started to have to figure out what it meant to begin your whole life again, not the next moment, the whole life. And um, so I just, yeah, I just started writing and thinking a lot about hope. What, what happens to our relationship with hope when the outcome we thought we were certain of doesn't happen? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's yeah, where this I, book came and where my story has gone. since. Yes. Then. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And I can't imagine, you know, what you have been through in the last four years. And I just want to say thank you for taking um, readers and, and listeners uh, into the, the very places where, you know, your vulnerabilities are actually going to be your strengths though, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and I just want to say thank you for that. And, and one of the things that I loved about the book here too, was you, you said after that moment that, that hope arrived, hope arrived and no matter how many circumstances tried to snuff it out for good, it continued. Mm -hmm. 
could, could you kind of explain that line? Because I, I just think that is so beautiful that that hope arrived and no matter how many circumstances, yep. because because there's so many circumstances, like you said, in our lives that are going to try to snuff that hope out for good. Right. But hope continues anyways. I think that's such an amazing concept. Which is why I, I thank you. First of all, Josh, thank you. And it's a it's an important nuance to the whole book, because this is why the title is Hope Anyway. Yeah. Life is not going to go like we planned. Newsflash. That's the terrible news up front is that life is not going to go as we planned. So what do we do when it doesn't? And what I realized in my life is that I needed a hope. I needed a faith that transcended outcomes because I all of a sudden realized I didn't have as much control over outcomes as I thought I did. And so in, in, in looking at that, I realized, you know, so much in our lives, we are hoping for, we're hoping for an outcome. And a lot of times this is actually akin to wishing, you know, I hope it snows on Christmas. I hope the chargers win the Super Bowl. I hope I get a good tax return, you know, and often, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I kind of would love all those things actually, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) you know, it ends up that our relationship with hope is really a little more about wishing again, nothing wrong with wanting good things for ourselves and the people that we love, but what happens when those things don't arrive? We need hope that is instead of hoping for, what I've traded that in for is hoping in. So if I don't, if, if I can't ensure that what I'm hoping for is going to happen or arrive in the timetable and in the way that I want, how can I invest my hope in? And what I realized is when, when that paradigm started to shift in my own heart and in my own life, and I could see there's a lot of things in my life I can put hope in, even when the actual walls are falling down. I have some incredibly, incredibly gorgeous people in my life. I have some really funny kids. I mean, they're funny. I have a super naughty Labradoodle who's almost four years old. And she, I I could fill a whole pot. She deserves her own podcast. I mean, Rosie should have her own podcast. I could tell you some funny stories. Um, There are so many things in my life that um, when I invest in them, they show up for me, my work, my faith. And so when this whole outcome wasn't going the way that I wanted or thought it should, I realized, yeah, but hope is still in the building. Yes. So hope continues. And maybe it's not the kind of hope we originally defined or were holding onto. It's a new hope and it's, it transcends, it transcends these outcomes. So that's why I can honestly, and that's not a cliche. I can honestly say that hope continues. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Something I thought about with this book while reading it was for me, I was going to ask if you think this is the same for you. I feel like I wouldn't say easier. That's, it's not easy in any circumstance to hope necessarily, but sometimes it's easier for lack of a better word for me to hope when things are completely out of my control. Hmm. I think it's part Mm -hmm. of that surrender, right? Like I like thing, everything has been taken away out of my control. So now all I have is this, is this hope, right? Um, And so I feel like sometimes it's easier for me to surrender that in, in those moments than in the day to day, right? Yeah. That we can, we do try to maneuver and control. And so um, I was just going to ask you about that. If you thought that resonated with you or that, you know, something and when writing this book, you know, you'd like that, that hope kind of abounds more when we kind of lay down those things we're trying yeah. to control. I agree, Ashley, because, you know, um, 
when we, when our lives are in the darkness, when we go into the darkness, and I talk a lot about that in the beginning part of the book, when we kind of get shoved into that place of darkness yeah. through something we did, through something that's been done around us, um, it's sort of all we have left. You know, we can choose despair, apathy, numbness. There's different coping mechanisms, cer mechanisms certainly, but so much has been stripped away that it, there's a lot of clarity, actually. I'm going to like be self-destructive. I'm going to be numb or I'm going to start to invest in these things that are hopeful, but in our day to day, we're not that desperate. I don't right. think, you know, like we, we are um, still kind of leaning on our own strategies. And like I said, our big brains and our big plans, and we aren't in uh, as much need. Yeah. We aren't as vulnerable right. right in our day to day. And so we can get into those patterns very quickly of sort of abandoning all that and saying, Oh, and, and what you're referring to, um, is that line from the book, which talks about, we can't strategize and surrender yes. at the same so time, good. right? We use that all the time in our house, like constantly. Josh is a three, as we've said. Yes. His go-to is is striving, if you may. If you know, like when, yep. when the restlessness comes and kind of the conditions look a little like not planned, you know, he's in go mode, you know, he's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? I'm more withdrawn, you know, to go like, it's almost anxiety producing for me to make a plan at that point. But, but we talk about it all the time. Like we can't, we can't surrender while we're strategizing and yeah. making our own plan. Um, and I love what you talk about in the chapter on surrender um, about where you were led outside with your coffee and um, you're just asking God for a plan. I need a plan. Um, and you hear him say, you don't need a new plan. You need a different posture. I love that so much. Um, just because it takes, it kind of frees us up to go like, God is in control. Like he's just yeah. asking us how many times in scripture does it say, be still, stand still, the Lord will fight for you. Like whatever it is. Um, yeah. I, I just, yeah. I don't know. I love that idea. And just reminding ourselves that there is someone working on our behalf. It's not all up to us yeah. on us to do it. Yeah, I always think about that, you know, when, when we talk about that and 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 uh, we do coaching and retreats. And that's one of the things I'm always telling people now, too, is that you can't be surrendered and, strateg and strategizing at the same time. And it's kind of like yeah. I can't be waving a white flag and and have um, a gun right here too, <laughs> being like, I surrender. But really, I don't. Boom. Gotcha. You, you know what I mean? So so it's like exactly. no, su surrender is is like, how do you float in a pool? Right. It's, it's all out. You, you have to totally embrace all of your weight to a pool and then you can float. Right. And, and, and yeah. so I, I just, I just love that concept. A hundred percent. And I love, I love that idea of the, the pool. That's it. You know, I, I have learned a lot over the last four years about surrender and yeah. you learn about a lot about surrender when you kind of have to, yes. you know, you sort of a forced surrender. And then you realize, oh my gosh, there's so many things that I am holding on to in my life with a death grip right now. And it's not serving me. You know, we think it is. We think it is. It's serving us to just squeeze the life out of so many things in our lives. And it's not, it's not. And we think that we can come up with the plan that will save everyone or move the story along or fix the problem. And, you know, I just don't, I don't know that I'm convinced that there's a lot, people are making a lot of money out there right now telling the masses that if you can just get the right plan, you can change your life, you can make more money, you can raise perfect children. And I just, I feel like that message is remiss. And I feel like when we look at the story of Jesus, this is what I'm learning so much. The central figure in the Bible 
had to surrender his entire life. And he's sitting there going, you know, is there any other way we could um, get this whole thing done? You know, is there any other plan? And his father says, no, this is how it's going. And he says, not my will, but yours, which is the ultimate phrase of surrender. And I'm learning that if that's really the central picture in the Bible, then I should probably pay attention to that as a human, you know, that so much of my life is an invitation to surrender to something that it's bigger than me. And then this is where the trust comes in that, that, that I'm surrendering into love. Mm-hmm. I'm not surrendering into punishment or right. into, um, chaos, you right. know, uh, I'm surrendering into love. Yeah. So good. Yeah. You, you say an invitation just remind me of another phrase I think about often and we use all the time is I think it's from begin again, but you talk about the, you know, the agitation is the invitation. Yeah. I love that so much because I think it, it, it invites us to ask more questions and to be curious about what's going on. And I'm sure when you're in this huge rebuilding time in your life that you're hitting all these agitations and you have to be curious and open to what God has for you or what's next. And that's part of that surrender. So, um, I, yes, I agree. I think we've been conditioned to to, to put a bandaid on things or to get a quick fix or to, to Google something. And we're just touching that top layer. We're not getting into to the depth of what's really going on and what we need to be asking those questions of ourselves. So, um, yeah. And awesome. When we off, often we feel agitated, the question is, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? Or what if the question is what's right? What is this telling me? You know, I got to fix this. I got to change this. I feel agitated, but but yeah, the agitation is the invitation. Where we feel agitated, God, God has something for us in that. And there's some information that we need in that. That's the case for me. You know, instead of just like, how can I get this to go away? Yes. Uh, what is the invitation in this? And it's true. It's, um, you know, I, I say too that um, I, I looked up the etymology when I was writing Begin Again. And where did I, because I like words and, and figuring out wh- where do they come from? And the idea with begin to begin again, the etymology of the word begin means to open or to open up. So if I'm going to begin, you know, sometimes I can get, and I talk about this in hope anyway, especially when I feel this depressive, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do next. I'm overwhelmed. I can just like, I can be a total inertia, you know, just like no bones in my entire body. And I realize that often the invitation and beginning again is like, where am I closed? totally closed off, locked down where I need to open up. I need to open up. And that's the, that's the posture of surrender. That's the posture of beginning again, being able to step into that next new moment. And you know, what closes us? Well, fear closes us, control closes us, shame, ever heard of it? Shame closes us. You know, that voice that's telling you you're disqualified now, by the way, just so you know, since you've been through this, you're totally disqualified. So all those things can, can cause us to just totally shut down and go inward. And the idea of begin again, or to begin and, and also with that to surrender is where do I need to be open? Yes. So good. Where I want to be closed. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I think there's so, so much power in just that simple statement of, you know, today is a great day to begin again. You know, now is a moment that I can begin again, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. that that's why Jesus says, uh, or the, the Bible says, excuse me, that his mercies are new 
every single morning. Like every single morning is an invitation for me to begin again, right? It, like like even um, the the old is gone and the new has come, and and stepping into that. And mm-hmm. so 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 how do you? do that? How have you been able to walk through that? How is somebody um, that's listening to this going, man, you know, my husband just came home and, you know, and, and dropped this bomb or my wife did, or, or like, or something happened to my kids. And, and, and it's been this huge bomb that's went off and, and I just do not feel like begin again for you. Great. Begin again for me. No way. I can't do that. How do I walk through that? Yeah, and I get that. I just want to say I get that. There's so much false positivity and bad theology out there and quick fix Christian cliches out there that say, you know, no matter what happens, God's going to work it together for good. And that's a scripture, but we've slapped that on like a Band-Aid in all the wrong place. When people are gushing gunshot wounds, you know, we want to just hand them a Band-Aid and slap it on. So um, yeah, I get it. I get when um, these words do not hold up to the circumstances we find ourselves in. Please hear me when I say, I get it. I get it. Here is something that did help me. And I'm not going to say that it's going to help everyone, but it did help me. And it helped me as I was being forced to uh, come to terms with the fact that I was in fact having to begin again. And it's words from Barbara Brown Taylor, who is a spiritual writer that I love. And she has a book called Learning to Walk in the Dark. And if listeners, if you haven't read Barbara Brown Taylor, I just encourage you to do that. And this book in particular, because we often think of the seasons in our lives that are dark, similar maybe as we think of the wilderness, where I just need to like, I just need to lock down until this is all over, right? And there are times where we can't help it. Like, that's what we do. But um, so many of us look at the darkness, those seasons, and we think this is just, you know, this is the end. And uh, she says in Learning to Walk in the Dark, new life starts in the dark, whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, new life starts in the dark. Yes. And when I read that, I felt like that was a hand reaching toward me, that you are in the darkness but this can be the beginning of something new. This can be the soil for something new, for a new beginning. And I thought about that's, you know, okay. Like it says in scripture that the seed has to get like, like mashed down into the ground and it has to break open. Dang it. You know, to become the Oak that it was meant to be. I would like to put the seed in a beautiful bowl from anthropology and put it on my mantle and sing like Adele lyrics to it. Right. And like, (laughs) and like talk to it pretty for it to become the Oak tree. And that's not what nature tells us. Nature tells us it has to get shoved down into the dark dirt and it has to break open to become what it was meant to be. You think about the caterpillar has to go into the cocoon to become what it was meant to be. And it has to surrender to that. Right. As we were talking about before. And so, um, that has been helpful to me to remember that sometimes the darkness, most times actually, if we will open our eyes as best we can and look around and pay attention, the darkness can be a generative place. Now there's a lot of loss that precedes it. I'm not gonna say there isn't, but for me, the darkness has been a generative place. And it's been a place where I realized when all the lights get turned off, I saw my faith, I got my people, and I have to also attend to my relationship with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and that, that was one of the things that I pulled out of this book too, where you wrote darkness and the time there um, expands us. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's just such an amazing concept for people to get. And if you're listening or watching to this, I, I want you to hear that again. Darkness and the time spent there can actually expand our 100%. lives because I feel like 100%. so many think that just like you said, that darkness is, is just all around me and I'm shrinking in this, but actually in that darkness, that seed is growing. You know, the, 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 the baby is actually forming. It's actually coming to life. And, and what seems like it's just so dark all around us is actually when life is, is, is actually being produced in, in a, in a situation that maybe we don't want to go through or whatever that is. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I loved that, that it actually expands us. How have you seen that to be true? You know, you talk to people that have gone through horrible things and, and, and I have talked to a lot of people that have gone through a lot of horrible things. And, um, many of them say some version of this, and I can, with all honesty, say some version of this, I would never choose to go through what I went through and I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but I would not change who I have become as a result. Yes. How many times have you heard that? And maybe not every time, maybe not. Maybe that's not everyone's um, refrain, but I have heard that so many times. And that is because who we become when we go through hard things is an expanded version of ourselves. It is this person who has so much more resilience, so much more tolerance for vulnerability, so much more trust, and a realization that surrender is actually the way out. Those things will serve us the rest of our lives, just those things right there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's an expanded soul. That's an expanded heart. And it also expands our capacity for empathy. Yes. When you go, it, and it doesn't have to, but I think for so many people that I know that have been through absolutely horrible things, they have an expanded capacity for empathy for other people. They know how to sit with other people without having to fix it, without having to give advice without having to change it for that other person. Yes. They can just sit and tolerate that, right? So there's a lot of different ways this expands us. Those are just a few examples, but that's, yeah. That's so good. That That's, um, I, I was rereading that chapter last night about hope in yourself anyway. And um, I think I've pretty much read the whole chapter out loud to Josh last night. I was like, <laughs> well, listen to this. But um, but this idea, and I, I remember going through it myself a couple of years ago, um, we were in a ministry and we were just really, at our end, very weary, three young kids, just, um, just really those days where you're just trying to survive till, till bedtime and nothing felt good the whole day, you know? And, um, and I remember just praying and being like, God, I, I have, I feel like I want to serve and I want to minister, but I, I just can't. And if yeah. you would just help me like, give me space to work on myself. I feel like that in turn would be a ministry to others. And so I just love what you say about that, about, about learning ourselves. What do we want? And not through the filter of what do they want? What am I supposed to do? What do my kids expect? What does this expect? And, and this unfiltered, what do I want is so important. Um, Cause I, I did see it as selfish a lot. We do like initially, I think that's a lie of the devil to go. Like you thinking about yourself is not thinking about others when in turn you getting to know yourself is, is a way for you to offer yourself more yes. fully to others. Um, and I just love that concept so much. And I think it takes, it's taken me a long time to really give myself permission to do that. 
you know, um, but I just, yeah, I love that yeah. concept of the self-belonging just leads to more empathy and compassion for others. I, I totally resonate with that. Yeah, it's super well said, Ashley. It's, it's, and I think this is one of the great lies that have been sold. I, I don't know if it's being sold to men particularly, but I know it's being sold to women mm -hmm. that um, to focus on ourselves is antithetical to serving others. And we need to be serving others. What I found in my own life is that when I'm really paying attention to my own health and my own wholeness, that I have so much more capacity to give, you know, and that doesn't mean that, um, you know, I'm getting six pedicures a week and leaving right. to go to Paris for nine weeks out of every year. You know, I mean, that'd be awesome, but that's not what right. I'm talking about, right? What I'm talking about is, a, is the deeper inner work, yeah. paying attention to what we need, what we want. It's going to be hanging out in there anyway. So yes. we might as well attend to it, right? Uh, very early on in this whole uh, disillusion of my marriage and um, kind of collapse of my life initially, I heard the voice of God say to me, and God, as you guys know, because you've read the book, but God kind of came to me with these zingers, you know, quite a few different times throughout this, this journey. But one of the first ones was, Leanna, you are not losing your person. You are finding your person and your person is you. And you could say, you know, yeah, I was losing my person on some level, but the whole focus of that was this is going to be a journey inward. You don't have to take it. You can say, no, thank you. I'll catch the next bus. But this is going to be a journey inward towards self-possession and self-belonging like you've never been on before. Yes. This is going to be leaving behind, abandoning ourselves to keep the peace, yeah. squashing what we think and what we want in order to make everyone else happy. This is going to be a journey of becoming much more congruent in your life, congruent where the inside and the outside match. Yes, And I think particularly... Uh, for all of us, for all humans, if we will go on the journey and do that work, and I don't know why, but it often takes a tragedy for us to do that work or a hardship, a period of darkness for us to do that work. I promise you, we will be able to show up for the people in our lives with yes. such, so much more presence, so much more empathy, so much more capacity than if we sit around and ignore yes. all of that that's going on from our neck down. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, th th that's my own story as well, too. I mean, uh, two years ago, I was struggling with depression. I mean, I had a lot of anxiety going on in my own life as well, too. And, and, and there was something about when I started reading, like, Josh, do you even like yourself? Hmm. Like, like, do you like to like, what do you think of when you look in the mirror? You know, do you even like that dude? And, and, and being able to do the work of, of being able to like that person again and, and, and being able to, to, to do the work of, of, of simply enjoying just being with me. You know, I'm, I'm a runner. And so um, I'll, I'll do distance runs. And what's been so amazing is over the past year, I've been able to go out and run 12 to 15 miles to 10 miles to seven miles whatever, without any headphones on. You know, and I would have never been able to do that like uh, uh, two years ago because I wouldn't want to be alone with my thoughts. I wouldn't want to be alone with me. And now I, I can walk down a street and 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 be like, oh, I'm genuinely just enjoying myself, you know, and because yeah. at the end of the day, Ashley could leave me. My kids could leave me. And then I'm stuck with me and yeah. God. Right. So yeah. if I might as well learn to like myself too, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And learn to understand what motivates me. Yes. What do I want? What are my deepest desires? You know, and how is that showing up in my life right now? And are those disordered or are they, you know, just getting like you mentioned the word curious recently uh, uh, a few minutes ago, Ashley, and I, 
I, I listened to someone speak recently who said the two main ingredients for our growth as human beings is curiosity and humility. I thought that was great. And that idea of getting curious about not just the other things that are going on in our lives or not just about learning more about everything else in the world and conquering the, you know, the finances or the real estate or the, whatever it is, getting curious about ourselves, Yes, you know, and would you say, Josh, that's helped you to, has that expanded you? Oh, absolutely. It has. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, it has expanded me in so many ways. And it reminds me what you just said to the great Ted Lasso, you know, um, the, uh, <laughs> yes. the it's not judgmental. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and maybe that's the way and the attitude that we've got to take with ourselves too, is let's be curious about who we actually are instead of judgmental on ourselves all the time. Right. Let's like, let's approach that to ourselves and be like, Oh man, well, why do I tick like that? You know, or man, that's interesting. And, and, and not judge yourself for it, but just be curious about it. Well, like you said, it's so freaking it's good. Living, <laughs> living there anyway. It's living there anyway. Yes. And what I've yep. gotten really good at, and I was, we were using this analogy, is just, oh, when that smudge is on the wall, just painting over it, just mm. painting over it, just painting over it. And to, to where now I'm doing the work of peeling it off, peeling it off. And so I feel like we get so good at just like, ignoring it or just like pushing those desires aside that it's kind of sad that you, especially with women i find that if you ask if you ask me what do i want mm-hmm. i say i don't know yeah mm-hmm. and and that is you know it takes a lot of work to really get back to those core desires you know that we believe were put there by the creator in the first yep. place so why are we squashing them you know out and yeah. so it just it's just interesting. Yeah. And I think that even goes into the the family as well, too. I mean, I think Ashley and I, we, we have been talking about that, too, of going like, well, what do we want? Mm-hmm. Not what our parents want, not what society wants, not what our jobs say that we should be doing. But what do we want as a family and being able to say not only personally, what do I want, but then what do we want too? And I'm yeah. sure maybe that y- you had to make some of those hard decisions going, okay, well, this is our life now, kids yeah. with, um, and so what do we want? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And- yeah. One of the hardest decisions I made was choosing to relocate from the West Coast yeah. to the East Coast, but it was also very clear to me when I got really quiet and I write about this decision, making this decision in the book. And it's still, I think the single most difficult parenting decision or single most difficult decision I probably ever made in my life, because it didn't just impact me. It so directly impacted my kids. Right. But I got, when I got really, really quiet, I just was so clear on what my deep heart desire was and trusting that and surrendering it and then it coming back. Yeah, it's a, it takes deep work. And I want to say to the listener, I think this is very important. It is almost, in my opinion, impossible to do this kind of deep work that we're talking about, discerning our desires, uh, helping to figure out our family uh, values and desires, uh, getting down to what is really making that smudge on the wall. As Ash, That's a, such a great analogy instead of just painting over it. We often can't do this kind of work alone. We usually can't do this work yes. alone. So if you're sitting on your couch with your journal and you're like, I don't know what to do next. I want to do what they're talking about, but I don't know what to do. This doesn't happen like in a vacuum. You know, yes. I have needed a wise, wise guides in my own life. I'm yes. sure you guys have turned to counsel in your own life. So I yep. want to encourage the listener. This is a journey that we often need a coach, a spiritual director, a therapist, yes. someone who is trained to lead people and help them discern the next step and the next invitation in their life. We don't, 
we don't kind of come home to ourselves because we can muscle ourselves there. You know, we need help doing that. So get support and get trained support as you, as you try to do this work that we're discussing. I always tell, you know, when I go in to see a counselor and whatever, it's like, I need you to ask me all the questions because like, I, I'm not going to volunteer anything, but I need you to be a good question asker. You know, it's almost like they're doing that curious digging for, for you a little bit. Um, and I agree, especially if you are in a place where you just gotten to the end of yourselves, like you're, you just, you don't have the capacity to do that work. No, um, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. I totally especially agree. too, if, if you're someone, um, who this doesn't come natural to you. Some of us maybe are a little more introspective just from our personality. And some of us are like, I, if I had to mention a feeling, the only thing I could come up with is like maybe hungry, you know, I mean, that's really the capacity of some people's feeling expression, right? right? right. So I think for some of us that, yeah, this work comes a little bit more naturally. And some of us, it does. Some of us are more like into reading and like, okay, processing what other people are saying. Some of us aren't. So we need someone to take us by the hand and say, this is what I'm hearing, or what, what would you do with this scenario? Or what was this like for you? And then help us start connecting the dots. I think that's incredibly valuable. Yes, that absolutely. Well, I I wanted to to kind of um, ask you this question. If you were setting in a coffee shop, this is one of the questions I always like to ask on my podcast. Okay. And, and you were having coffee with somebody and they're, they're going through a dark season. Obviously, we've already talked about some of the things that would help them, but maybe you just had two to three minutes to to just tell them something, to give them like one nugget of hope. You know, what would it be? What would you say to that person? Here's what I would say. And and you got really close to it a few minutes ago when you mentioned the passage from Lamentations about God's mercies being new every morning, yes. right before that verse is this. And we never hear it because we only always hear that passage. Here's what it says. Because of God's great love, you are not consumed. And that gets me every time. I put that thing on a piece of paper and that thing sat in my pocket for months. Yes. And I put it on a sticky note in my car and I put it on a sticky note in my bathroom because when you are overwhelmed and you are in great pain, doesn't it feel like it's going to consume you? Yes. Depression feels like it can eat you alive. Anxiety feels like your body's on fire. I mean, I understand that. Loss is searing. You feel like a burn victim, you know, and to, to have this, this reminder that because your story is rooted in a larger story and that story is all about love, there is something inside of you that even the most horrific circumstances can't consume. And I would look that person in the eye and I would say, you are so very loved. It's not even possible for your circumstances to consume you. Yes. I know you feel that way. It's not possible. You're made out of something bigger. So yeah. beautiful. Wow. Wow. Well, we absolutely love you just because of things like that. I mean, that's just incredible. And it goes directly to, to how I would love to, to just, you know, end this today. Cause you, you, this is what you write. Hope arrives after we have been through the unthinkable. And we see that we did not evaporate. We did not disappear. That's right. Yeah. I'm sitting here looking at you guys. I know you've been through hard things. I've been through hard things. And look at us. It's mm-hmm. not perfect. 
but can we write out a list of the ways that we have been loved and cared for and that hand is reached toward us uh, every day in the midst of the hardest, darkest moments? Yes, we can. And um, that is why I wrote Hope Anyway, because I want that person who is in the dark and can't see and does not even know where the next step is supposed to be placed because it's so dark to know that um, we are not going to disappear. Yes. We are here. We are here. Yes. Well, thank you for it, because the, the, the world is going to be a better place with more light and more hope because of your words. And again, I want to encourage you guys to go out and get this book, Hope Anyway, Welcoming Possibility in Ourselves, God, and Each Other. Leanna Tankersley, thank you for being on the road to wholeness today. It was such a pleasure, and we just can't wait to continue uh, to uh, just uh, you know be in touch with you and, and, and for our listeners to be in touch with you. And, and thank you again so yes, much yes. for just bringing your brightness into the world. And, and one, uh, more, one, yeah. one more plug, just real quick. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but um, if if it's around the time you're gifting something, Leanna's devotional book, um, Always We Begin Again, is a one, is a beautiful gift. I just picked up several to give for Christmas presents. Um, Josh and I both, you know, go through that, and it's just it's it's just a, a nugget that will just resonate with you um, all day. Just um, your words. So that's that's a. I, I, we've loved that devotional too. So check that out as well. Absolutely. Thanks you guys, Josh and Ashley. Thank you so much. It means so much to me that uh, you've spent time with my words and my stories and that they have um, been meaningful to you. And I really have appreciated our conversation today. So thank you for having me. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Hey guys, you've been listening to The Road to Hold Us and I want to encourage you to check out www.streamsofwholeness.com or go to joshhawk.com for more resources on how we can help you on your road to wholeness.